And we welcome you to another edition of Zach is Finally Listening, episode number 201. This is Wrestling Lever Sage, Zach Friggin McGibbon. You know why I say that? You know what? Don't answer that. Don't say anything yet, Zach, because why I say that is because it, why would it take me 201 episodes for you to finally start listening to me? And finally being, you know what? I shouldn't disappoint him. I need to listen to him. So you went down to New York City and you got some crap done. <laughs> Zach McGibbon, 40 to nothing. I told you I was going to blame you for every single bad thing that happened. Not a lot of bad things happened in New York City on Sunday night, other than it rained and probably Zach McSokin got a little bit wet. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Lee. Oh, it was an awesome game to watch live. I can tell you that. Seeing that defense trample all over Daniel Jones while the New York Giants fans around me were uh, just in awe, shock and awe of what was going on on the football field. And yeah, it was quite wet. But guess what, Lee? I stayed throughout the entirety of that game from start to finish. You better uh, in the rain. Oh, yeah. Of course. I stayed there throughout the entirety of that game. And, uh, all there was left was a smidgen of, of, of Giants fans, and the rest were Cowboys fans. I don't know if it came up on the broadcast, but you could hear some Let's Go Cowboys chants uh, yeah. across MetLife. So, uh, but yeah, it was that was a lot of fun. My first NFL game live. Uh, and what a first NFL game it was for me as a Cowboys fan. 40 to nothing to start off the season. Let's go, Lever Sage. What a way to start. Uh, let's go. Uh I was going to ask you about like your time in New York City, but I just want to know what it's like when you're so hyped up and the Giants get the ball. They do go down the field. Okay, Dallas is you know bad snap. They're going to hold them to a field goal, blocked field goal, return for a touchdown. Next possession, although missed extra point did concern me a little bit. After what Brett Mahar did last year in the playoffs, the missed extra point with the new kicker was like, oh, come on. Like, are you kidding me? But no problem. Next possession, interception return for the touchdown. Can you get more excited when it happens as a fan? It's unreal, isn't it? Oh, I was I was out of my seat, uh, especially on that uh, field goal block. Uh, I was out of my seat fist pumping. There were a couple of Cowboys fans around us, and they were also losing their minds. Uh, the Giants fans were very, very loud at first, and then as the game progressed along and more and more points were being given up and the defense kept dominating Daniel Jones, uh, it became way more quiet, and then they started to head to the exits. Uh, it was an awesome energy there for the Cowboys fans that were there. And, uh, you know, Sunday night football and fireworks everywhere, and uh, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad you went with some Cowboy fans, and I'm kind of glad I didn't go because I might have got beat up real bad um, <laughs> asking people how much they paid for their season opening tickets and what time they were leaving the game. Like, is it time to make it home in time for, you know, the, the West coast version of 60 minutes. It starts at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Are you going to make it home in time giants fan? Because you, you're not going to need to be here. Uh, what a performance it was by the Dallas Cowboys. So how was New York city? How was you went to the Yankees game yeah. Did you tour around NYC? Had you been there before? Give us a story. No, this is my first time in, in New York. Uh, we didn't. Uh, so I was there with uh, 
as you mentioned, a couple of the Cowboys fans, my dad and a uh, mutual friend of ours, a family friend to uh, my dad and I, Angelo, uh, and his son, Anthony. And we just went down first over to the Bronx. We actually drove into the, bo- into the Bronx to Yankee Stadium, um, which was just bumper-to-bumper traffic and uh, madness. And uh, But we got to Yankee Stadium, and initially it was a rain delay. And so we just t- took that time to tour Yankee Stadium. And uh, for those that uh, have not been to Yankee Stadium before, they have a museum there. And they had a whole bunch of old stuff. I didn't realize how much they were holding on to, but they had like Lou Gehrig's bats and Babe Ruth's cap and a couple of uh, baseballs from different no-hitters and perfect games uh, that from Yankees pictures throughout the years. Um, and so uh, that was really cool. The game got back on, and the Yankees are not a good team, Lieber Sage. No, <laughs> they they're are, not. They are not, a good, they are not a good team. It was a great experience being there and getting to see Aaron Judge bat live at Yankee Stadium was really cool. Um, but the Yankees team itself is uh, not a good baseball team. Um, but uh, the the experience was great. Uh, in the case of my dad and I, we were just kind of there for the games. So uh, we both wanted to go to Yankee Stadium and, and see a baseball game there. We both wanted to go. My dad's been to MetLife before. He went to see a Jets game there. I believe he saw Jets and Cowboys as well uh, at MetLife. But this was the first sort of divisional rivalry game that my dad has seen in terms of uh, the Giants and the Cowboys. And uh, obviously, this was my first NFL game just uh, in general. And so we kind of took part in the tailgate. And there were actually, uh, we parked beside a couple other Cowboys fans in our area. Uh, two Cowboys friends, shout out to uh, Tom and Andrea from New Jersey, who are uh, massive Cowboys fans. Uh, Tom's uh, son is named Emmett, after Emmett Smith. Um, and, uh, we had a good time. He, he showed us, uh, the Izod center that was right beside MetLife as well. And talked about a story of how he met Wilt Chamberlain at the wow. arena, which was really, really cool. Um, but, uh, Tom and Andrea, great people, a brother and sister, um, and, uh, have been going to Cowboys games, uh, at, or going to MetLife, uh, games, uh, for a couple of years now, of course, when the Cowboys are there, they're there. And so, uh, and then obviously the experience itself, uh, the, the stadium, the atmosphere, um, it was really, uh, something else, especially, you know, you kind of put it in perspective. Uh, we were there obviously before a day before the nine uh, 11 anniversary. So they had the big, uh, celebrations, uh, and, uh, memorial, uh, before the game, a giant American flag across the field and uh big pyro uh, display, um, and the game itself, the atmosphere, you know, the first little bit, everybody thought it was going to be really competitive uh, in the case of the Giants fans. And then as the game sort of got along, it, we realized it was not going to be competitive whatsoever. It was going to be a one-sided beatdown, which was great for me as a Cowboys fan. Um, but uh, you know what? The Giants fans around us, uh, there was one Giants fan that was uh, a little rowdy, but uh, otherwise they were pretty, they were pretty well behaved and whatever. Um but uh, no, the, the whole experience was great uh, getting to talk with other people there and, uh, you know, just getting to experience that live sporting atmosphere in New York. Uh, really something else. First time I've ever been to New York City uh, and the New Jersey area. And uh, it was did just do, a blast. Did you do Manhattan? Didn't do Manhattan. No, we just uh, we stayed in the New Jersey area. My dad and I actually went to. Uh, a little deli that was in, uh, we, we were staying at a hotel literally five minutes away from the stadium in Secaucus, New Jersey. And uh, who doesn't want to stay in Secaucus, right? Especially at the, the hotel we were at. Uh, 
but uh yeah it was uh it was it was really nice and um we went to this deli it was like this locally owned uh, deli uh, called Atolis um and uh, that was a uh, really really uh really good food there um these you know different pizzas and pastas and uh it was also kind of a mixture of a supermarket as well locally uh, owned family owned and uh it was uh, some really good food there so we didn't do too much of the new york trip we just kind of centrally focused on uh just going to the gaming of, uh, to the different games but uh when we were in the bronx uh you know dad and i uh my, my dad and i we just uh uh, we did tour a little bit of the areas of the surrounding area of Yankee Stadium and uh, saw a couple of the different stores, a lot of Yankee merchandise uh, available there. Uh, so, uh, but mainly we were just kind of there for the sporting events. Okay. Well, you did a good job not allowing the Giants a point on opening night, uh, scoring 40. So you're allowed to go back. Wonderful. You're, yeah. You're allowed to continue to support the team in person. <laughs> which is i was just gonna is, say is there extra money in the this is wrestling budget so i could go to another cowboys game at all uh there i can tell you if there are more 40 to nothing victories against division rivals on <laughs> sunday night football in fact zach i'll it'll come right out of my budget if Ooh. you can go to philadelphia and put a 40 to nothing pounding on the eagles <laughs> on sunday night football nice. um that won't come out of the this is wrestling budget. That'll come out of my wallet <laughs> gladly. I love to it. Ha to have that happen. That is that is fantastic. And it's really good that we've avoided for the first 10 minutes uh Nia Jax as the ending of Monday Night Raw. So I'm yeah. I'm very happy that we haven't had a chance to get to that yet. Um Zach, Zach, Zach. We've talked a ton about aw we got a lot we got a merger to talk about which is kind of the business side that we knew what was coming but we still are going to talk about it we got some aw stuff of course some of the fallout from punk being fired and wrestle dream and we're gonna get zach saber jr against brian danielson uh we got a lot to get to but here i was watching of course on pvr i just want to make sure that everyone knows that it was not friday night at eight o'clock sitting down and watching smackdown or last night sitting down and watching three hours of chelsea green and piper niven defend the tag team champ no um but i was actually going to compliment the wwe on how i thought they had really good storytelling and we're starting to get a little bit more consistency in things like Jey Uso coming over and not everyone's okay with it and Kevin Owens and like he's he's allowed to be a part of the judgment day because they like him and Kevin Owens doesn't know whether to accept him and then gets kicked in the face and Jey Uso doesn't mean it and uh I I think there's some decent storytelling they just didn't skip over well Jey Uso is now on Raw and there's going to be no explanation of all the things he ever did to people so I was going to compliment them and then compliment them on Gunther and his celebration and beating Chad Gable and um, sort of intertwining that storyline, which I find compelling right now. I think they've done a better job with Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. I think they've done a better job as of late in telling some stories. And then I get in a main event after losing to Rhea Ripley nine days ago, somehow. Raquel Gonzalez gets another shot for the title 
and it's in the main event of Monday Night Raw only for that match to have a debut of Nia Jax as the credits leave. And that's what we've been waiting three hours for was the return of Nia Jax. Correct. And then er- everything I ever said before, but all the good things that happened are, are just gone and out the window. Zach, I was not happy with the ending of Monday Night Raw because as it was going along and I'm watching it, I was, okay, I can I can buy this. This isn't bad storytelling. Like, Drew McIntyre is fighting Xavier Woods and he's going to fight Jey Uso next week. Okay, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in what, what's Kevin Owens doing with Jey Uso. And I like the Chad Gable Gunther stuff. Like, there's some good stuff here. Shinsuke hasn't gone away and it's at least watchable when he's on with Seth Rollins. And then all this happens at the end. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. Like, you just have to be kidding me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I, I wasn't able to catch Raw live because I was just coming back from New York, uh, from the trip. So I come back home, watch a little bit of Monday Night Football, and, uh, I look at the results of Raw and I see that Nia Jax has returned to the WWE. What a way to end the Vince McMahon era of WWE. A Vince McMahon, McMahon family owned WWE ends with a Nia Jax return on Monday Night Raw. And I know that they, I know she had made that Royal Rumble appearance earlier this year. There was some talk of maybe bringing her in. And and, and to an extent, you need to fill up that women's roster, but I don't know if Nia Jax is the solution to that problem. My hope is, is that this is just a short-term program. You bring her in to have Rhea beat her, and then we don't have to see Nia Jax anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, what a, what a, a lousy way to end uh, Monday Night Raw. Uh, of, of the many Monday Night Raws that are usually not so great, and, uh, you know, you talk about the Jey Uso story and how they're trying to incorporate it, but there's one name that I've noticed you have not mentioned in terms of what they're doing. And and I feel like I I need to inquire and wonder what he's doing. Where's Cody Rhodes? What, what, what's Cody Rhodes' story? What I know he's got a story to finish, but what's like the big feud for Cody Rhodes right now? What's he doing? I mean, you you talk about Gunter and I do like the Gunter stuff. They're doing the match that Gunter and Chad Gable had last week on raw was actually very, very good. A lot of people should go check that out. It just shows again, how Chad Gable is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the industry. And I would love to see him be able to showcase in ring ability more, but I do like that Gunter story. I do like the stuff that they're doing with Jey Uso to an extent. Um, but uh, what's Cody doing? I mean, okay, so we're, we're getting ready okay, for on. WrestleMania Hold main on. events. Yeah. 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 Settle down there. Chief I'm, K I'm just you've waiting. had all, you've had all your time <laughs> to brag about Micah Parsons and all the defense and like, you've had your time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Cody Rhodes comes out and I actually took a very positive approach on Monday night when I found out that Cody Rhodes was going to be on the Dale Earnhardt Jr. podcast. I'm a big fan of NASCAR, a big fan of WWE, and the two things are combining that I'm going to go and listen to that podcast coming up. And uh, that was a positive for me. Now, Cody Rhodes coming out, Dominic Mysterio interrupting him. That was not such a positive for me on, on Monday Night Raw. But but that's okay. Um, let's get him involved with with Jey Uso. Let's just 
Like sometimes we just gotta take it easy. He's got a nice suit. He's got a catchy song. Mm-hmm. You know, he asks people what they want to talk about. I feel like he's very <laughs> polite. Yes. Okay. Like this is a superstar. There's no reason to just bag on the guy just because he's coming out in the middle of Monday Night Raw, not the beginning and not the end, and that Dominic Mysterio's interrupting him. Yep. Don't don't need to bag on that right now. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, he's such, I mean, you mentioned it. What? Big star and yeah, Whoa. he's got a great song. And well, uh, sorry, that's Seth Rollins. No, what? <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. <laughs> I thought you were actually doing the smoke and mirrors song for a second there. It's like, why are you going back a couple of gimmicks with Cody? Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's, you mentioned he's such a big star. I feel like a big star would have such a big focus on your program. Did especially- you see, okay. Did you see, not especially, just shush. Did, did you see the fact that he was cheering for like four teams this weekend in the NFL? Oh, he's like, well, I just my predictions, and here are the teams I'll be I'll be looking to see to make sure that they get wins. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, Jacksonville. I mean, you can't can't forget his ties there, right? right? And then, you know, he's from Atlanta, and he's got to cheer for Atlanta, and yeah, I think it was some other I don't know Chicago, and then oh, here comes the last team. Apparently, Cody Rhodes is a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Mm. Interesting. Or is WrestleMania just in Philadelphia coming mm. up, and he needs to be a little bit more? Um, oh, I, I I like the Eagles. Yeah, of course. He's kind of like uh, Ric Flair when it comes to his uh, uh, teams that he likes. I like teams moment- that pay me to to go woo before the game, and I'll put their jersey on, and exactly. I'll strut around, and I'll say woo, and then you'll pay me. That's right. It's it's kind of like the job squad, but uh, a variation of the job squad, but instead it's the NFL. Uh, uh, cheer uh, cheer them, pay me. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a Flair thing going on. Like, who knew that Ric Flair was such a big Hamilton Tiger Cats fan? I mean, I would have never suspected him to be watching, sitting down at his home, uh, probably in Charlotte and North Carolina. And when do the like, Tiger oh. Cats and Stamps play? <laughs> yeah, probably flicking on the TV. It's like, where is this? Maybe that's you know what I believe he uh, wore that jersey while Jerry Glanville was uh, the defensive coordinator for the Tie Cats. Maybe that's where the connection is. Remembers the good old uh, times with Jerry Glanville as head coach. All right, but Zach, uh, why don't you get down to business and stop bagging on my guy Cody? Okay? I'm not bagging on Cody. I'm just saying we're. I just wondering with the story that he's in. I mean, he's he's a big player, you know, and I feel like we- big players need big stories, you know. So. No reason to be so negative so early after you get being, back from the trip. Ask questions. Um, questions. Yeah. Well, then I'll ask a, a business question, and that is uh, the Endeavor's acquisition of the WWE. The group uh, becomes official, and Endeavor officially now owns UFC and the WWE. What does this actually mean to people? Yeah. So endeavor purchasing wwe taking the ufc asset that they had and merging it with wwe to create a new company called tko and it was launched on the new york stock exchange uh today as we're recording and we've kind of seen a couple of different conversations uh rolling around you've seen uh television rights kind of being discussed and uh there was a couple other interesting notes uh i saw that nick khan commented on cm punk and uh, said he respects his career in WWE, so he gave a classic Nick Khan answer where he's very eloquent in what he talks about but doesn't actually say anything. Um, 
But uh, in terms of the actual merger itself, you know, Vince is still going to be very much in charge of WWE. The way that they have it separated out is Endeavor will, is essentially the, the major overseer of both the UFC and WWE. Dana White will continue to oversee UFC. Vince McMahon will continue to oversee WWE. But instead, Vince will now have uh, Mark Shapiro and Ari Emanuel up on top to kind of report to. Now, it's been discussed before with Endeavor. I believe Ari Emanuel has gone on record as say he's not going to be somebody that's going to interfere in the operations of Vince McMahon. He's going to let him run the wrestling side, basically saying, look, I'm not a wrestling guy. I know Vince is a wrestling guy, so I'm going to let Vince take care of the WWE side of things, and I'll let Dana continue to do his side of mixed martial arts UFC. So you're going to see some changes. I would imagine with a merger coming in, you're going to start to hear uh, stuff about uh, talent cuts. Um, that's kind of been rumored for a while that uh, talent cuts uh, cuts could be emerging here soon. Um, and so that's something to kind of keep an eye on television rights. It sounds like Fox is probably not going to renew SmackDown. So there's been some interest. I saw Amazon has been, really been a player uh, to potentially get the SmackDown rights, which would be interesting from a general TV, uh, digital media standpoint, which is not this kind of podcast. That's other podcasts are will be better equipped for that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it's a big merger today. You're seeing a new corporate structure. It's essentially 70 years of the McMahon family running WWE, the WWF, the WWWF, the Capital Wrestling Corporation, whatever you want to call it. 70 years from Jess McMahon to Vince McMahon Sr. to Vince McMahon Jr. to Shane and Stephanie. Now it's uh, somebody completely different up on top uh, running the WWE. And it's going to be a little bit different. I, I know we kind of had some similar talks about this when Vince McMahon, quote unquote, retired, uh, more like resigned in disgrace but at the time. But... Uh, we talked about how it would be a new era and, and it would be new leadership, but this really is kind of a new era of WWE in terms of what Endeavor is going to do, how they're going to view WWE's successes and WWE's performances. Um, and really for them right now, it's about trying to get those new television deals done. I would imagine that raw uh, will stay on the USA network. And I'd imagine uh, they're trying to build up NXT more. I, I think people have started to notice there's been a couple more, of the main roster guys and gals uh, going on to NXT to try and boost up their ratings so that they can potentially offer that as a third television property to these big television networks and, and digital media properties like Amazon and Apple. So it's uh, it's a new era of WWE. It will probably start to look the same uh, in terms of a viewer that's watching the television for a while because Vince is still overseeing stuff. He'll have the final say on things. But I think as we start to go along, you'll start to hear about talent cuts. And I would imagine some pretty big names. I think some names that will surprise some people will be part of those talent cuts, try and really uh, wedge things down um, and try and get things, uh, a, a, a good cash flow going for this new TKO group. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, this is the new era of WWE. It's uh, new leadership and uh, for the viewer, probably going to look a lot the same, but you'll start to see maybe some incorporation of UFC had been doing some different advertising models uh, and and trying to incorporate that more into the WWE product. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a new era of uh, WWE. Okay, so I know you just kind of went through it for everyone, but do you actually think that 
serious change is coming or do you think it's going to be the exact same product? I think it's going to be the same product only because it, it sounds like initially, and we'll, and we'll see how it goes. You know, a lot of times like executives will say one thing and then they see the numbers kind of come in and say, okay, we're going to change plans. But as of now, it sounds like that things are going to kind of continue to run how it's, how it usually was. It'll just be a little bit of a different corporate uh, structure. So Vince is not the final say. He doesn't have the majority voting power in the company anymore. He has some voting power, but not to the same extent uh, that he had uh, when WWE was its own entity. Um, now Endeavor is kind of rounding that out and uh, and some executives on the UFC side. So uh, I'd imagine creatively, they're probably just going to stick to plans. You might start to see a couple more, maybe some sponsorship integration matches, uh, which, you know, I've really been enjoying those sponsorship integration matches as people have heard uh, on this podcast here, Lee. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think in terms of what people will see on the screen, in terms of just storyline based, I think you'll generally be the same, maybe a little bit more Vince McMahon influence, which I know will put off some, but I think you're going to see a, pretty much a, a same product um, on, on screen. Uh, just in the sense that Endeavor really wants to keep Vince McMahon and, and what they do uh, separate from them and they don't want to interfere. Okay, well, that wasn't as... I want big changes and I, everything is going to change because Endeavor now owns it and Vince McMahon's going to be out. Answer that I wanted, but okay. Uh, I, I can at least deal with... It's possible that some things are going to change just maybe a little bit down the road mm -hmm. is that is that fair there there is the potential for it to change down the road yes if they decide but that would be more of a long-term play like a year or two down the line um i'll say this this is my opinion on everything and this might surprise some people but i think triple h is more at risk of losing his position of power creatively than vince mcmahon is uh, in that company, I, I think Endeavor, Endeavor brought Vince McMahon back because they thought he was the guy, like he's been able to create this reputation for a lot of time, bringing wrestling to a mainstream audience, that he's kind of the magic man. He's got the magical touch when it comes to professional wrestling. And so, and with McMahon having power uh, over the WWE, once again, um, I start to see how Triple H's influence is starting to diminish and and, and drain a little bit. He's still focused, but uh, not saying it would happen, but if it became a point between Vince McMahon and Triple H on who they would have to make a change creatively or let go from the company, I would think it would be Triple H first uh, before they would get to Vince because I think they trust Vince more. Um, now, I've been on record here saying I, I don't think Triple H is this great as great of a creative mind as, as people make him out to be. I think when you've been subject to Vince McMahon's booking for so long, that mediocrity seems like uh, a godsend when it comes to booking in WWE. And I find Triple H's booking has been okay at best, uh, not great at, at worst. Um, but compared to like Vince McMahon's last 20 years uh, at the head of creative, I, I think he's obviously a breath of fresh air. 
Um, but it Endeavor views Vince very highly. They've they've gone on the, the different media outlets saying that Vince was key to getting this done. Um, and they've kept him as a public facing figure. And uh I, I think they're gonna just stick by him until for however long Vince decides he wants to go on and having seen Vince and how he operates it, it could go on for, for a while. He does not like to lose control of power as we saw uh, from him uh, getting back in control as the executive chairman of WWE and executing the sale. Okay. I wanted more hope than that, but that, <laughs> that, that that's fine. Um, is there anything else you want to say on that before we move to AEW? Not really. Uh, I the only other thing I would say is uh, just be keep an eye on some talent cuts coming in uh, as the merger kind of goes through, um, and I think there would be some big names that will surprise some people uh, that would be cut. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's I don't think it's this drastic change. I think from uh, obviously a symbolic standpoint and in terms of historically, obviously this is such a big thing for wrestling that somebody not named what that doesn't have the last name McMahon has full control over the WWE. Um, but in terms of the actual creative vision of the product and what they're able to do, I think it's not going to be as apparent in the immediate uh, as it will be. Maybe in a couple years time, we'll see how Endeavor kind of views the product. And once they get those new television deals done where they kind of view WWE in that standpoint. But right now I think it's going to be business as usual. Okay, well, let's get to some business as usual. As AEW, I think, had an, uh, some good parts, some bad parts of Dynamite. I would say the same about Collision. Um, boy, they've been hurt by the CM Punk stuff. And uh, I just mean, obviously, CM Punk got fired. I, I know that. But we talked a lot about that last week. But in the instant reaction to what i saw out of collision this week and i'd be interested now i don't want to talk about the storylines because i think there's a couple good storylines that we will sort of um reach out here and, and and talk a little bit more about but i watched dynamite and if, with punk not being on dynamite it's not as drastic a change when i watched collision this week it felt like there wasn't a lot of star power it just and maybe that's an immediate reaction because i love punk and everything that happened to him and now the show that he used to be on he isn't on anymore and with him not there i'm just missing him i don't know but it felt it felt like a b show and not that dynamite was incredible but it was starting to feel a little bit more like the a show i didn't feel that this week mm -hmm. what about what about you uh, I wasn't able to see all of Dynamite, so I can't give a, a sense of, at least I should say this past weekend's Dynamite. I, I, the first weekend without Punk, I still kind of had... Co co collision, you mean? I, I'm sorry, Collision. My apologies. Uh, the first Collision without Punk that uh, from last weekend, uh, I still had the, f the feeling that it was a different show uh, in terms of presentation, layouts, uh, pacing obviously commentators and, and other production elements. Um, but uh, so I, I can't comment on this past weekend's show because I haven't been able to catch up to it yet with everything going on. But based on the highlights I've seen, 
it does seem it does very much strike me that the star power is is kind of lacking as you mentioned and that's going to be something in the immediate short term uh that's going to be apparent for collision for the next little while especially you know we will be reflective in the ratings as well uh, and with with the the competition with college football and other uh events like your wwe pay-per-views premium live events that are on saturdays and your ufc shows as well so collision is going to be in for a rough haul for the next little bit if they could keep themselves competitive and keep themselves within a strong position and i think with i think turner seems to be understanding of AEW in the sense that you know Punk was let go, so I don't think there will be as high of expectations on Collision as there were before. But having said that, you're going to see a bit of a struggle on that sense. Um, but uh, kind of looking at last weekend's card, it, it, it's first of all, it's funny you could tell uh, which one, which wrestlers that uh, were rumored to not have uh, the greatest relationship with Punk all of a sudden showing up on uh, Collision. So yeah. Exactly. Uh, obviously, this is an all hands on deck uh, situation here to try and get Collision to be noteworthy, and I, and I still think they could do that. I think that element that they had with Punk, where they kind of highlighted some people. You had Punk, you had Jay White, you had Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, similar to a SmackDown Six scenario. Uh, yeah. A couple decades ago, where they just kind of highlighted six performers that they wanted to showcase in great matches. I think they could do that with collision and really make something of it for Saturday nights. Um, but uh, really the only thing that was noteworthy from collision for me, and I know we'll, we'll discuss it here uh, was really the Brian Danielson stuff. Um, but otherwise like, you know, AEW has always had very good wrestling. So I, I, I'm not going to be concerned that the, the matches are going to be bad or anything like that. But like you mentioned, the star power is very much lacking uh, the last couple of weeks, and that's going to be the big thing for this collision show in the next little while is try and build up some new stars and try and make them be must-see wrestlers on this collision show. All right, Zach, let's get to what I think is actually a pretty good storyline, and I say that only because next week on Dynamite, or this week on Dynamite, we're going to get Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe for the chance to face MJF coming up at Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. You probably were able to reach out and touch it in New York City when you were there. That's now, right. what I like about this, first of all, is they've almost told, like sometimes in wrestling, and we know this, like it's just very predictable as far as, okay, this is the storyline that we're going to get. and. That's okay, as long as they tell good stories. I'll ask you. Do you know who's going to win that match between Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong? I do not. And I, I don't either. And I think, you know, I have a guess, but I love the fact that they've almost told two stories enough that it really makes you doubt or at least want to know which way are they going to go? Like, I don't know who's going to face MJF there because they've told the Roderick Strong story, I think, fairly well. And they've told the Samoa Joe story really well. So I actually think like this is a really good piece of booking, in my opinion. And getting the world title back to where it needs to be is MJF 
defending the title at a major, like certainly at Wembley and now at Grand Slam and doing it in a way of, I'm going to be tuning in tomorrow night because I don't know who's going to win that match. And I think that just that concept, right, for a wrestling fan is awesome. For sure. And I think that's something that kind of AEW has really needed for the last little while in terms of some unpredictability in the in the booking in a good way. Um, as you mentioned, they have built up both those storylines to where it both makes sense. Uh, one with Samoa Joe starting off, uh, you know, calling back to that NXT moment of, of Joe uh, shoving MJF when he was a security guard and uh, kind of incorporating that into the storyline. And of course, uh, the buildup over the last little while between uh, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. And uh, I, I this this stuff has, has, has really got me intrigued on where it could go. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to rehash it too much, but, you know, I, I've, I've been vocal about how I've not been that big of a fan of the Adam Cole MJF stuff. But this has been a nice little uh, turnaround for me for MJF in terms of getting back to his serious side and and kind of igniting that fire to where you could have like a good feud between either one of these guys. So uh, it really is up in the air in terms of which one of these two could be the one to face off against MJF at Arthur Ashe. If you had to put a gun to my head, I would probably say Samoa Joe because of Roderick Strong being involved in a bigger storyline. And I think they want to maybe save that for a pay-per-view like Wrestle Dream, which we'll talk about. Um, but even then, I could see it go either way. Um, and I think uh, they've done a good job of booking that and putting that all together. And see, I'm, I love this because I'm exactly the opposite of you, where if you had to put a gun to my head, it's like the 5149. I'm going to go with Roderick Strong. But more importantly, you know, like we'll discuss that in a minute. But more importantly, when you do things like this as a wrestling company, I hope, I, I hope we do a good enough job acknowledging it or the fact that making it be the norm where this is what wrestling companies need to do. You have made perfect sense in telling us two stories that either one of the victors that come out to face MJF at Arthur Ashe makes complete sense. And that's not always the case, especially for people who watch wrestling all the time. That is not the case, mm -hmm. right? And when you do that, it creates an intrigue into like, I love Samoa Joe and I love Roderick Strong. But if you told me six months ago that there's going to be a main event and it's going to be Roderick Strong and Samoa Joe and it's really, really going to mean something. Okay, I just watched Nia Jax come out on the main event on Monday Night Raw. So I'm in. And they've done it properly. And I, I just, I don't think you can mention that enough when companies do good things it needs to be pointed out i'm going to take roderick strong because i think at least at the very beginning they've he's been like right on record saying i'm going to go win that tournament i'm going to prove you wrong i think this ends up being a bigger storyline and you know what i did zach i actually went back and watched some adam cole matches from nxt okay um, I didn't do it because of the, like, 
I want to know more about this particular storyline. But I wanted to watch a little bit more of when I thought Adam Cole was at his absolute best. And that was as, yeah, you might have loved him, but that was as a heel in a heel faction that the faction was awesome with Undisputed Era. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm seeing a lot of similarities now. I start and, and I'm finding some callbacks and I'm starting to see, to me, I don't care what they do with MJF, because you can have him be a face for a while and you can turn him back as a heel. And But I'm starting to be more and more convinced that Adam Cole is going to lead a faction and be a heel and not the guy you cheer for anymore. That is coming to an end. And I, I just think that Roderick Strong and Adam Cole are going to end up together now. Um, I don't know that that means that Roderick Strong is going to win a title at uh, Dynamite, or sorry, at, at Arthur Ashe. Yeah, but but I do think it's going to be a part of a bigger picture. Um, I think actually, if he had to put a gun to my head, I think Adam Cole helps Roderick Strong win to prove to him that he he is like. I am your friend too. I am his friend, but I'm your friend too. And now you go into a match where Roderick Strong and MJF are going against each other. And what side is Adam Cole going to pick is everything. Mm -hmm. And that to me makes sense. But to your point, having Joe there and having Joe and the storyline that they've told and everything makes perfect sense. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's, just awesome. So I'm kind of 51 49, but it's a slight, it might be 50.1 to 49.9. Yeah, it is like, very, very close. Like it's close because you can, it's like they built it. And this is again, all wrestling companies listen to this. It's like they built it that they actually don't know and they'll decide when they get there. They could legitimately walk in and decide, you know what? I think we should do this, and it would make perfect sense. So just love that type of booking. Let's talk a little bit about Wrestle Dream uh, going on in Seattle uh, October 1st. Is that right? That would be correct. And the announcement of Zack Sabre Jr., and Brian Danielson. Zach, you're a wrestling mark. I am. We should, we should just call you Mark. It should be your <laughs> it should be it should be your name. How can you not be jacked up about this? Oh, I've I've been waiting this for this match forever. Once they we almost had it last year at the first forbidden door, and then uh we had the forbidden door curse there, and now we're finally gonna get it at Wrestle Dream. And I am, I could not be more excited about this. Two of the best technical wrestlers in the world going at it uh, on a show dedicated to Antonio Inoki. I mean, this is, this is, this has got Zach McGibbon written all over it. Uh, this match. I love it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And maybe talk a little bit more about, I mean, Wrestle Dream is the show dedicated to Antonio Inoki uh, coming up on October 1st. And I, 
I do like the fact that we get a few of these. Um, and look, I know it's dedicated to Anoki, and that's the reason. And I don't mean it like sort of in jest. But sometimes you don't always have to have every pay-per-view that's involved that has every storyline coming to like an end. You can have pay-per-views with great matches because people will pay for them. And just that the, there is no, like the storyline is they're two of the best to ever do it. And that's okay. Yep. It's what I've been preaching on this show forever. Sometimes it doesn't have to be this overly complicated long-term story. Sometimes that's all you need is that two guys claim they're the best at their profession. They have a match to determine who the best is. And especially in this case, it's two of the best technical wrestlers in the world. People are going to want to see that match. And so sometimes, you know, wrestling isn't that complicated. We, we, I, I, there have been, the stories have been getting better in terms of, you know, telling it over a long period of time and, and establishing deeper character arcs and, and all of that. But sometimes at, at its core root, sometimes you just want to see two guys go in the ring and wrestle. And so, uh, once this match was announced and, uh, the stuff uh, surrounding uh, Danielson and his apparent last year, uh, according to him in that promo, as a full-time performer and might be seeing a couple more of those dream matches from Danielson. Uh, the fact that we're finally going to get Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., a match where uh, I, I thought would have happened uh, sooner, but glad we're happy, having it uh, happen now at this Wrestle Dream show. All right, let's get to... Our good friend Ben wrote an email. Did he not? He did. And he had some topics for discussion. I want to get to a couple of these. We don't have to do all of these to today, but let's talk a little bit about um Wrestle Dream, literal dream match between Zack Saber Jr. and Danielson finally gets announced. What other dream match? scenarios would you book for that show zach mcgibbon man i was thinking it through and there isn't a lot of dream match stuff left um if just for the sake of let's just say they didn't book danielson and zach saber jr Really, the only only other dream match. A lot of them involve Danielson, by the way, uh, in terms of what I have in terms of available <laughs> wrestlers. And a lot of them involve Danielson, and the other one is Brian Danielson versus Will Osprey. Um, that's the match I, I want to see uh, before Danielson wraps up his full time career. Um, if 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 we could can get that match sometime, uh, I know obviously it wouldn't be on the Wrestle Dream show, um, but at a, at a Wrestle Kingdom. Potentially, I know that they'll probably do uh, Okada again, uh, which is I think will be fantastic this time uh, without uh, having uh, Danielson injure his arm. Um, but to me, that's really one of the last dream matches I could think of off off the top of my head where I'm like, this is a match where as soon as it's announced, you don't need a story. You just want to see these two guys perform. It'd probably be, be Danielson and Osprey for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. And like when you say dream match, I think some people automatically go to matches I've never seen before, right? Like that's sort of the implication where I'm not sure that I would, I'm just not sure that I would go that exact 
route. That's all. Because I, when I think of, when I think of like Will Ospreay, and I think, okay, is Will Ospreay the best wrestler in the world? Maybe. Is Brian Danielson? Is Kenny Omega? Is Zack Saber Jr.? Is you know you, you can go down the list. Um, regretfully, Zach, and you might take me to task on this. Oh boy! How how many guys on New Japan's roster we would you still put in that category of they are legitimately top five best in the world? Because I've watched. Tanahashi, and I've watched Okada. Um, I just don't know if they're there anymore. I can agree with Tanahashi, and I think that's just more, you know, wear and tear. He's been on top for a long time, and his style of match eventually was going to get to him. And so Tanahashi, I could agree uh, agree on that. Okada, I still think at a peak level is a top five performer in the industry. Um so I would still have Okada in there uh, as a potential uh, having this excellent match. Um, you know, I'm looking at the New Japan roster right now in terms of guys that I could uh, see as like a top level, high level, can make an argument to be a top five performer at their best. And I've got three names. I've got Osprey, okay. I've got Okada, and I've got Shingo Takagi. I think Shinko Takagi still can be somebody that at a peak level uh, can be somebody that can have be one of the best wrestlers of the world. Only other the only other wrestler that's kind of on the bubble for me uh, is Ishii. And I've seen a lot of great Tomohiro Ishii matches, and he still can pull out some tremendous performances. Um, but it, if if you had if I had to choose in terms of high level star power guys, I'd probably pick uh, the earlier three. So I'm trying to think of some like Shingo Takagi matches. I mean, the technically the Brian Danielson versus Shingo Takagi match has happened already. Uh, what way, many years ago, like 2010 Dragon Gate USA shows, like very yeah, but that and, and that's so that is my whole point about it's okay if guys wrestle each other again. Because they're in different points of their career, and the match means more and would be different than it was previously. Yeah, that's fair. So, I think for me, to answer Ben's question, I would probably put the list out of... Like, would you put Jay White in this category? Uh, not yet but he's up there he's getting close he, he's a performer i like but he's not a i don't see him as a high level in-ring performer on the level of an omega or an osprey but i do he, think he, he's at the upper tier if that makes any sense yeah now i guess my question is do you think he's been given the right opportunities to be able to show you that no, I, I, especially when he first debuted in AEW, I really feel like they've been dropping the ball on what he could do. They, they started to turn around a little bit, having him be the leader of a group and having him be more of a focal point on collision. But if judging from the entirety of the run, there, there could be more for Jay White in AEW. Right. So I'm with you. I think he's on the cusp, but I want to see them give him the opportunity to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Um. I guess I, to answer Ben's question, I would make a list of like top five, six, seven people that I think are the best in the world. And I just kind of 
did, I guess, with, you know, Omega and Osprey and Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and then there's arguments about a couple others. And then I, what I would do is just, what's my dream matches? Have any of them face any of them? Yeah. Like, I'd be thinking about putting Jay White. If Jay White was able to go with all of those guys in a major program, I'd put him in the, I'd put him in the category thinking he would be up to the challenge. Um, it's, and it's really unfortunate. I know some people are listening right now and probably going like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you don't have any WWE people in there. And I guess my answer is that I think there, I think there were guys capable of it. Um, I just don't know that there's that many guys that are there now that aren't beat up that I would have said five years ago or 10 years ago that I would have had them in, you know, many dream scenarios, but I just feel like they're so beat up at this point that they can't do what they normally did. Now, now the one exception I'll make is Gunther. Yeah. I was just going to say Gunther is probably in that list. And so if you put him in a major program with some of the other guys, I'd love to see that. Mm -hmm. So if you told me that like Gunther and I don't know, pick somebody like Daniel, I'll give you a dream match. We, I kind of briefly mentioned him, uh, but, and, and I kind of put him on, not in that higher tier, but when he hits a certain stride, he can really peak very high. I would love to see a Gunter versus Tomohiro Ishii match. I think those two complement each other so well. And Ishii, both those guys can still put it, especially Gunter, can put in such a, a performance where I think those two guys, those styles mesh together, I think could make for a really, really fun match. Yep. And I know we've said this before, but man, oh man, oh man. Um, Orange Cassidy is one of their absolute stars on that show yes and and you know for him to be able to do some things maybe even in the caliber of the other guys that we're talking about should not be overlooked to what he has been able to perform so um that's kind of how i would answer it is put gunther in with danielson and saber jr and osprey and omega I can be talked into adding some people into the group, but then just sort of pick who is going to face who. Mm-hmm. And and that's a dream match for me. Um, AEW life after CM Punk. He says, take those Pepsi filled bonds and invest in Billy Goat stocks six months from now. Build the company around MJF and Osprey and Jay White. Would you like to see that? Yeah, I, I think that's the logical next step for Osprey in terms of his career standpoint. Obviously, he made that promo the, that promo about uh, uh, his contract with New Japan coming up, and I think they'll be able to come to a deal where I think he will still be able to work some New Japan shows. Uh, I I wouldn't rule out WWE as much as others are because I think WWE would make a play for Osprey, and I think that would be enticing for Osprey. He would be somebody in WWE. That could fill in the, the big thing I have with the WWE roster right now is that they I find that their roster 
is pretty lacking in terms of big time in ring and a big time in ring main eventer. And I don't think Seth is that guy. Gunter could certainly be that guy, but they have not elevated him there quite yet. Um, I, I think Will Ospreay going in there as an international star, you could debut him similar to how they did with AJ Styles. Um, I think that would be a huge coup for them to really try and solidify their main event star power because they really need it right now in terms of guys that, like, you've got your Roman Reigns, you've got your Cody's, uh, Brock is in there. If pushed correctly, and, and I kind of sound like a broken record because a lot of what I'm saying about Osprey right now in WWE is what I said about Jay White to WWE, which I thought was going to be a given. Um, so I wouldn't rule out WWE, but uh, I, I would think, too, that AEW would obviously be the favorite with the connection to New Japan and the different uh, opponents he could work. Obviously, rekindling the Omega feud in AEW would certainly be a big plus for that company. Um, so, yeah, I would I would put him at the top and have him be somebody you could build around. He's still he's just turned 30 recently, so he still has many more years in his career to go. And uh, there's a lot of guys he could work with with AEW uh, if he were to sign there. So. What about a hangman page? Put in the right feud and with how young he is. Do you think that he can hang with some of the top guys? Yes, uh, I do. I, I think uh, I think he's one of those guys that uh, when he first broke in for Reign of Honor and he was more of a lower uh, mid-card guy, he's somebody that's really grown into his role and grown into his character, especially in AEW. Um, really, the issue I've had it wasn't even really with Hangman. It's his booking the last couple of months, he's been non-existent on the programming. He just, he only recently had a singles match uh, on AEW television uh, for the first time since March. Um, so, so before you continue, did you see the Swerve Strickland promo with him? Yes, I was, I was just going to refer to that. That promo okay. was so good. I loved it. So good. And I just, because you know what it felt like, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but it felt very, very, very real. Yep. Like what I'm thinking and what you're probably saying and about to say is everything they really did on, on that promo, mm -hmm. which I thought was in incredible. I almost feel like he's going to do this start from the bottom and work his way up thing again. Mm -hmm. And so I would put him in there and I, I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. Like, I thought that was probably my favorite part of the week. Yeah, like oh. that promo was outstanding. Oh, that that was the highlight for me of Dynamite. Uh, and having that feud between Strickland and and Hayman, I think those two will have an excellent match whenever they decide to have that match. Um, so I'm really excited where that goes. By the way, Prince Nana getting a big contract extension. Well, as a manager, I'm a big Prince Nana fan. He's in the money now, Lee. Uh, in the money, Prince Nana. I'm glad that he's on TV more. But on the Hangman yeah, Page stuff, uh, I super glad that Brian Cage came out and well, ruined ruined everything that I just talked about. But okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. But I know. I know. Uh, but but nonetheless, in the case of Hangman Page, you could argue he's somebody that could be the face of that company, not necessarily like the best wrestler in the company or uh 
or, or stuff like that from an in-ring standpoint, but more like the central figure, yes. the central character of that company that you could follow and, 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 and follow their story. Um, and Hangman is somebody that I think with the right opponent, like I think he's a good enough wrestler. In fact, a very good wrestler uh, on his own, but with an even better performer, I think he's shown time and time again that he could elevate himself to that level, whether it be that great match with John Moxley earlier this year or the Omega match a, a couple years back. And uh, he's certainly shown a, a capability that when a main event, when there's a big time main event, he can elevate himself and put on a, a, a very good main event match. And so uh, with the talent around him, I, I think now as well, without that CM Punk cloud lingering over him, I think that's going to help him too, in terms of getting his ascent back on track. I think, uh, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, frankly, he should have been featured more in the last couple of months. And I'm glad that they, uh, touched on in the promo and, and brought that into their feud between uh, Strickland and, and Hangman. And yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the, their match and, and how this feud develops. And, and finally we get to see a little bit more of Hangman page on the television. And at first, I kind of thought, what are they doing? Like toying him around and making him look really bad. And then I was like, it's actually really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually really good stuff about, okay, let's work him back up from the bottom. If he hasn't been on TV and he's gotten a guy like Strickland that's going to elevate him and not elevate him, but give him a chance to work with somebody else that, you know, has the capabilities, right? Yep, and then it's like, okay, it's go time. Like I, I just thought that was a fantastic portion, and it's the reason I brought him up because I think he should be, you know, if we can get him in some really big time stuff, I, I totally agree that the best wrestler doesn't always have to be the face of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, say what you will, and I'm not saying that it's perfect by any stretch, but Roman Reigns, right? Roman Reigns is not the best wrestler in the company by far, mm-hmm. but they've made him the face of the company. Yep. The ace. Okay. Time to move on. From that. No, um, <laughs> we'll get to a couple other Ben's questions about um, matches of the year and stuff at a later time. I did want to bring up that. I know there's a big um, C4 coming up this weekend, Zach. That's right. And it's kind of the kind of the re-debut. Or what what do they call it? Like season premiere. Yes. Of C4. And so uh looking forward to that. Uh and, and seeing how they kind of kick off their new season. Yeah, there's uh, quite a bit of of talent on this card. Uh they just announced Alan Angels, the former uh Dark Order number five. Uh, he's in a grudge match with Evil Uno, so I think that's a pretty big match that we didn't get a chance to see in AEW that's uh, coming over locally to Ottawa with Walking the Edge. Uh, so that's already a match that I'm looking forward to. Uh, McCray Martin has a big opportunity. Uh, he's going to be facing off against the returning Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander, one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. I like He just brings it in the ring. I think he's just a tremendous performer. And he's one of those guys that they love a lot of bookers on the independent scene. Whenever Josh Alexander is available for independent bookings, they love to put younger wrestlers with them. 
because Josh is number one, he's a trainer on the side as well. And so he's trained talents before, but he's also a guy that can really bring the best out of you and elevate your game and have you learn more about wrestling as you're in there. So I think this is a great opponent for McCray Martin as he kind of moves on from the Hawk stepper tag team. Um, Another uh, match here, Speedball Mike Bailey versus Gun Jay Lee. Uh, I believe these two oh, – no, this is a first-time ever match. So this is uh, this will another opportunity for a younger guy to have a, a, a great match. And a, another match that I think it, in terms of Titus Alexander versus Junior Benito, not a lot of people may know who Titus Alexander is, but Titus Alexander is somebody that's really been making a name for himself on the California independent scene. Um, he recently did a couple of matches for PWG. And he's somebody that I've heard in some circles of being potentially one of, if not the top name in independent wrestling, similar to where Daniel Garcia was a couple of years ago before uh, AEW picked him up. And so I've seen some of Titus Alexander's matches. He's had some already some pretty uh, marquee matches. He had one with Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, I believe he had a match with uh, Minoru Suzuki as well. And he's only like 22. So he's already been having some high-profile matches with some big names, and they've really been trusting him a lot over uh, in the SoCal area to really step up and really put in some good matches. And so uh, to see him come over to Canada and, and face off against another young talent, Junior Benito, it's, it's, I've always say this, it's one of my favorite matches to watch. It's two young guys that are going out there to try and prove something that they can have the best match. And so uh, another just uh, really fun booking there from C4. Um, and then I think, uh, it's not all the matches here, but the other one that I think in terms of just a crowd connection will be, uh, Kevin Blackwood versus Cecil Nixon, uh, Cecil Nixon, somebody that's had a, uh, quite the crowd connection with C4 for a long time. Um, and finally getting an opportunity for the C4 championship. I think that will, uh, really get the crowd engaged. He's always over when the crowds are in there. Um, and we were talking about new Japan earlier. Uh, Francesco Akira from New Japan, who's part of the junior heavyweight division. Uh, he's also going to be on the show in a three-way match with Gabriel Fuerza, a guy that uh, others on the scene have been saying he's been having some of his best years as well, has really come together as a performer in the last little while. Um, and also James Stone, another guy that's a very good performer on the independent scene. So a three-way match involving Francesco Akira versus Gabriel Fuerza and James Stone. Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun as well. And that's not all the matches. There's there's other matches that I think will be announced uh, as as we get closer to uh, the showtime date. But uh, already just seeing some of those matches, I will not be able to attend, unfortunately. But uh, I think people that are in the area should absolutely go out there. If you're big on in-ring wrestling and you're big on work rates and all that, I, I think there's a lot of matches here that will really uh, uh, fill you up on some good wrestling. I'm big on work rate, Zach. Big work you, rate guy? You working and me rating people. <laughs> I see. I was wondering where it was going. I, I was wondering where the comparison was going to go. Are you going to be comparing hey. yourself to like Eddie Guerrero or something? No, it's uh, something completely different. No, I'm big on you doing the work and me rating that work. <laughs> You're sitting see. back in a lawn chair somewhere, maybe getting a fan or something, sipping a pina, a pina colada. Zach, I don't fan myself. I get somebody else to fan me, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Can't believe you'd suggest that. Um, did want to give a shout out to our good friend, uh, MVP. Went to see 
uh, Jake the Snake Roberts in his one-man show. And hopefully, maybe even as early as next week, we'll get to talk to MVB about uh, his time seeing Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, and he get, sent in a couple of pictures and uh, looked like uh, quite the time. With yeah, um, got a couple of pictures with a him giving the you know the fist pump, Jake giving the finger. Yeah, that sounds like Jake Roberts, all right. Exactly, but <laughs> uh, yeah, no, lots of good stuff uh, to be able to get to. What else do you want to hit on, Doc? I'll give you. A, I was going to say I'll give you two minutes, but I'll give you one. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, how how generous of you? Don't waste um, it, Zach. Fifty five. No, I. Uh, no, not much else for me to say. Yeah. Uh, we kind of touched on You know on why? Because the host, the host covered everything, Zach. That's why. Well, yeah, yeah, it was just rapid fire. We went through all the big topics. And, uh, yeah, nothing much else to say. I mean, I I'll, I guess I'll briefly touch on the Riddle stuff quickly because that's oh kind of weird. I know. I, 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 I was just saying earlier about guys who I think might get cut. I think Riddle is going to be on that list. Please, uh, please. It's it just seems like his life is not in control right now, and I think it might be better for him to just kind of get off the yeah. road. And, and and honestly, I'm not trying to be super mean when I say this. He's not worth it. No. There, there are certain people, unfortunately, and look, a lot of people said this, of course, about CM Punk, right? But you got to put up with some crap because people are really good. And they draw money and they draw eyeballs and they 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 make your product better, but sometimes they're a pain in the ass. That Riddle's a pain in the ass, and he's not that good. Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate, because he, because when he was coming through the independent scene, like he was the guy that I had kind of penciled in as somebody that could really. He had some matches on the independents with Walter and Keith Lee and uh, some other guys as well that really made him stand out. And he was a guy when he first came in, like the Von Erichs comparison was just already there. He looked like Kerry Von Erich, and so he was the guy that I thought was going to get better and and. You know, once he would be signed somewhere, I think could have been a real featured player. But really, and and there's still times he has, but he's he's somebody that's really regressed a lot. And unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff in his personal life that's seeping through uh in the into the public sphere as well. And now it's just becoming just way too much for a guy that really at, at this point in his WWE run has just been a tag team wrestler and a mid-card guy. Right. Um it's, does he it's draw just, money? Does, he does, does not he, draw money now. Right. Is he a guy that people go, okay, I'm going to ignore everybody else, but I, I really want to see Matt Riddle tonight. No. I, I just don't know if that's the case. No. So. A fun uh, prospect at one time, but he's really just, uh, he's really regressed since then. I, I don't know if it's just the system around him in WWE or just what's been going on, but, uh, but it's clearly something has just been, happening and, and it's it's just really unfortunate to watch unfold uh one other person i want to mention very quickly because sometimes you know when guys get older you, you think that they're still 10 years before and you think they're awesome because you love them 10 years ago when really they're not that good anymore um the i cannot say that for like even a quarter of a second about how great christian is on the microphone in AEW. Oh, love like, Christian. Like every week he just destroys people. And I know he brings up, you know, personal things and personal lives and all that stuff. And not everyone gets a chance to do it. But, do you know, 
I want to point this out to me. The reason why he gets to do it is because he can pull it off and make it real and make the other person relevant. Mm -hmm. That's why he gets to do that. He doesn't get to do it because, oh, well, he's just a legend and blah, 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 blah. No, he gets to do that stuff because in the end, he makes people bigger stars. And he's incredible at doing it. And he's doing it to Nick Wayne. And he's doing it to Darby Allen. And he's doing it to everyone that's in his path. And it's incredible. It's just incredible to watch. I'm I'm just obsessed with, with him coming out on the microphone. So I just wanted to say that. Because, again, he blew me away on this week. All right, Zach. Well, get some rest. Get some recovery from NYC because I'm going to send you back to Dallas to make sure they beat the Jets coming up on the weekend. Uh, you're going to have a hectic schedule coming up the next little while. Yeah, a lot coming up. Uh, another episode of Gibby's Football Podcast. Uh, it's going to be recorded tomorrow. So getting that organized. Uh, I'm back in the swing of things when it comes to hockey. I'll be back uh, calling play-by-play for the Trenton Golden Hawks. Uh, they're oh. already off to a 2-0 start. So uh, that's things, also happening. Things we didn't quite think we needed to know, but apparently we did. Hey, I, I'm just you. You told me I had a busy schedule. I'm just relaying what what the schedule is. Um, and also this weekend, I'm going to see if I could try and get some uh, extra content for the listeners here. Uh, there's a show taking place in Ty and Danaga where a bunch of wrestling legends are coming by. So I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to pull something off there. At worst, I'll be in attendance at the show watching uh, uh, the the wrestling show. Um, and I'll kind of give some quick thoughts on that as we have a big so a wrestling, a local wrestling weekend coming up. Uh, so uh, that's also coming up. And uh, yeah, there, uh, and, and a couple more things uh, that are uh, uh, cooking up right now when it comes to uh, future plans. But uh, nice. those are things I could say right now. Oh, that's fantastic news. All right, Zach, enjoy your weekend. We'll be listening to Gibby's Football Podcast. Make sure that you get all the overreactions in week one. Zach, I'm just telling you, as a guy who's been through this before, not telling you how to do your job, (laughs) please don't overreact to what you saw in one week of football. Going to do my best. Going to try. I'm not going to overreact about the Bengals losing and and saying all of a sudden they're back to being 4-13. and But uh, I will well, not mean, And it doesn't mean that they're going to come out and they're just going to win their next six games because they lost. But right. just don't overreact mm-hmm. to one week. It's like the Cowboys just beat the Giants 40 to nothing on the road. And now they're going home to play Zach Wilson and the New York Jets on very short rest for the Jets. Yes. You know that this is going to be like a life and death game for the Cowboys to win. You just know it because that's who the Cowboys are. Yep. They're not they're not like, oh, we took care of business in a, actually a pretty tough environment. Now we got Zach Wilson coming at home. Oh yeah, this will be this will be piece of cake. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know that ain't happening. So, nope. I'm just just telling you to, you know, make sure that you don't overreact in in week number 2. Doing my best. Doing my All best. Right. I if if the Cowboys start a drive three and out, I might overreact a little bit. But uh, oh, you can overreact with you know watching the game, just not with your professional opinion on the podcast. Of course, that's got to keep got to keep it near. Got to keep it fair and 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 
not uh, as you mentioned overreact and lose my mind on stuff after one week of football exactly but yeah you're a true professional zach so i know that that won't happen all right uh great to talk to you again glad you had a good time in nyc and we will talk to you sooner rather than later with a lot of great stuff uh coming up uh, folks enjoy uh as this comes out on a tuesday night wednesday morning enjoy dynamite and rampage and smackdown and all the things that you love to watch and we'll be back very soon with another edition of this is wrestling